Welcome to All Fired Up. I'm Louise, your host, and this is the podcast where we talk all things anti-diet. Has diet culture got you in a fit of rage? Is the injustice of the beauty ideal getting your knickers in a twist? Does Fitspo make you want a Spitspo? Are you ready to hurl if you hear one more weight loss tip? Are you ready to be mad, loud and proud? Well, you've come to the right place. Let's get all fired up. Welcome back and welcome to a whole new decade. It's 2020. I cannot believe it's already February in 2020. What on earth is going on? I would like to start by wishing everyone a happy new year, but let's face it, it was a really shit new year for everybody here in Australia. We've had natural disasters coming out of our ears and it was just an incredibly stressful and strange time for all of us with all of these bushfires and then followed by floods. It's just very full on and it's extremely evident that we've got to do something about our climate and I hope these politicians of ours actually sit up and take notice because things are getting out of control and it's just not feeling safe. I hope to everyone who's listening that you are safe and that you're all in one piece and that your loved one's okay. And yeah, let's hope that we don't get a a repeat of this event. Um, And I realise as I say that that's very optimistic, but here we are. We're still in one piece. It's 2020. We're going to rock a whole new year here at All Fired Up and I have some incredible interviews for you uh, coming your way. So thank you everyone for continuing to listen to this awesome podcast and for letting me into your your worlds when you send me your emails and messages of, of rage and outrage and despair and also hope and advocacy and pushing back because it's truly inspiring and I just I just feel really lucky to be part of this whole community particularly in, at a time in the world when everything just feels like it's changing quite rapidly. So you're probably wondering where on earth are the crappies? Because I usually start off the year with the crappy awards for the shittiest and most irritating aspect of diet culture for the previous year. And I am going to bring you the crappies. We're running a little bit late, a little bit behind on it. I think um, it's just been difficult for people to get in their uh, episode, uh, their rants given all of the distractions that have been happening here in Australia. But thank you. I have some awesome entrants and I'm putting it together. So our very next episode will be the Krabbies. But today I have a really awesome episode coming your way too. It's just um, fabulous to talk about what's topical and what's topical right now, you know, I guess in the world of Netflix is this documentary called The Game Changer. So we're going to dig into what that's all about and and why people are fired up about that as, as an aspect of diet culture. But first things first, if you like the show, Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. Give us some nice feedback because the higher up we get in those rankings, the more the anti-diet message gets out and the more chance we have of toppling diet culture once and for all. So I really love it. If you do love the show, to rate and review us. And of course, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode when it comes down. If you're looking for an awesome free resource that helps introduce and orient people to the whole anti-diet idea and particularly in terms of the weight science that underpins it, don't forget about our free ebook. Everything you've been told about weight loss is bullshit. Written by me and Fiona Willer, the anti-diet dietitian and host of her own podcast, which is awesome if you also want to listen to it, Unpacking Weight Science. So in our ebook, we are busting open those myths that float around diet culture, like those stereotypes about weight and health and the relationship. 
because those kinds of stereotypes really do feed the, the hunger for dieting and weight loss industry stuff. So it's really good to unpack it and to bust open those myths and to introduce you to the whole non-diet approach. So you can get the ebook. As I said, it's totally free. You can just download it by going to untrapped.com.au and up will pop a little invitation to download it. You can also go on Instagram at untrapped underscore au and click on the link in my bio and there's a copy of the ebook there as well. And of course, All Fired Up would not exist without the awesome community and online program, Untrapped. Untrapped is a three-month intensive program which teaches people that we run through the anti-diet principles. So we run through rejecting diet culture, intuitive eating skills, how to reconnect with your body with a sense of embodied joyful movement rather than exercise as a prescription for weight loss. We help untrap people from body image struggles, body hatred, and just feeling out of your own skin. And we also talk a lot in Untrapped about social justice and this whole idea of uh, diet culture being an oppressive tool that we need to push back against. And we look really at the relationship again about health and what that means. It's, a, it's an awesome program. I'm so lucky to have collaborated in making that program with 11 other health professionals who work in this space. And I'm really proud of the end product. And not only is it the three-month program, you also join a community, as I said. We've got over 150 people in this community. And I have to say, it's just rocking so hard right now with all the support, lots of advocacy, lots of connections, building. And that was always my vision for Untrapped, that this would result in people who are doing this being able to connect with each other in a really safe space and make a difference in each other's lives. And that's what's happening. So look, if you're struggling, if you're tired of dieting, if you're also kind of unsure of how to look after yourself after being in diet culture for your whole life, because it is it is difficult to think about how do I look after myself if I'm not dieting or pursuing weight loss? Because that diet culture stuff keeps getting in our way. So if you're struggling, come and join us, untrapped.com.au. We would absolutely love to have you there. Right, so let's dig in. What have I got on offer this week? Well, I don't know about you, but it seems like everywhere I go right now, people are talking about this new Netflix documentary called The Game Changers. Now, I first started hearing about this last year, and to be honest, I just really wanted to ignore it, hoping it would go away, <laughs> because it, sometimes it all gets a bit too much. And let's face it, we've had a string of documentaries that demonize a certain way of eating, like from that sugar film and then we've had, you know, the Paleo Way film. We've had all these documentaries that uh, glorify one way of eating while simultaneously scaring the shit out of people who are eating in different ways. And then the Game Changers is the newest one. And it just seems like more and more of my clients are coming in talking about the Game Changers. I'm hearing about it in conversations in coffee shops. I'm hearing about it from colleagues and, and also from friends. And you're starting to see this real influence because Game Changers is all, all about holding up a plant-based diet or actually veganism as the be-all and end-all of the way to eat in order to um, not just be hot <laughs> and extremely athletic, but also to, to not die of terrible health problems. So, you know, it's got all of those ingredients in it about raising fear and condemning meat eaters. 
So obviously it's very contentious and I really wanted, I guess I've come around to wanting to do an episode on this because we need to talk about how these documentaries work and they exist in diet culture. They exist with this underpinning of, um, you know, an agenda getting us to change our minds. So I really wanted to talk to someone about the documentary and I wanted to talk to someone who was qualified in dietetics and nutrition because some aspects of the game changes does uh, get into like I guess the science of food and how it affects our bodies but I also wanted to talk to someone who is a vegan and who does live you know in that plant-based way because I didn't want to present a biased perspective so I'm going to introduce my guest for today who's here to talk us through the game changes and her name is Ebony McCorkle she's from EB New Nutrition. So Ebony is a qualified practicing dietitian and guess what? She's also a chef. How cool is that? She works down in Melbourne and she's also an ethical vegan. So she has not been eating meat-based products since she was a little kid, since like nine years old and, and she's gone sort of more full vegan since she was at university. So her perspective is from an ethical vegan perspective and it's just, it's fascinating to talk to her about her thoughts on this documentary and and how it's impacting on people who become vegan not because they want to be elite athletes or ripped or have massive erections or are scared about the health consequences of eating meat and it's just really interesting so without further ado I'm going to bring you me and Ebony. So Ebony thank you so much for coming on the show. That's all right. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me what is firing you up at the moment? Well, I watched The Game Changes, and it's not all what it might seem. Oh, God, that Netflix documentary, The Game Changes, which everyone seems to be talking about right now. Yes, about all of the uh, perceived benefits of a vegan diet. Okay, and, and so that fired you up because you are a dietitian but also a vegan. Yes, that's right. <laughs> So that's really interesting, isn't it? Because you think uh, being a vegan and watching a documentary that's got worldwide attention that sort of really highlights how awesome veganism is, that you'd be like cheering, but not cheering? No, not cheering. Unfortunately, as a dietitian, I am a very strongly uh, aligned with evidence-based claims. And the documentary goes a bit outside of what we would consider to be the evidence base. It makes some uh, far-reaching claims, many far-reaching claims, and just doesn't quite hit the mark on what we would consider to be good vegan information. Oh, I'm so glad that you're here and that we can have this conversation because I have had so many people in my office lately and I'm talking very intelligent, well-educated clients that I've worked with for a long time, many of them with eating disorder histories or backgrounds who have done like the haze approach and the non-diet approach. That's a really smart people who have watched this documentary and come in like really quite full of doubt about the amount of meat they're eating and whether or not they should immediately become a vegan in order to uh, protect their health. So I guess that speaks to how convincing this documentary is. And we really need to have this conversation. I'm so glad you're here because as a vegan dietitian with a real concern for evidence-based practice, you can walk us through what you're concerned about. Yep, I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, I don't really know where to start with it, but I did put it off. I put off watching this show because 
oh, there's a real trend. I think, you know, there was the, the sugar film and then there was the paleo film and like these documentaries that expose these conspiracies about how our food's produced with a real kind of, I guess, a bit of a biased perspective. I'm a bit over it. Yes. I also put off watching it. I resisted watching it for as long as I possibly could. Um, I had the clients coming in telling me that I had to watch it and I was like, nah. The same thing happened with the previous vegan propaganda film, What the Hell. I never watched that and I don't want to. (laughs) But people still to this day tell me that I should, but I'm still not doing it. So that's fine. But yes, I mean, documentaries, they are... A successful documentary has to be um, really, and unfortunately, anyone who's done a nutrition degree can tell you that nutrition is not thrilling. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? But the more thrilling and convincing and the more kind of, I guess, fear, when I watched it, finally, I came away from it understanding why my clients are freaking out a bit, because the message that was weaved throughout is that essentially eating meat is going to kill everyone and it's very bad for your health and the only kind of way to in I mean, it was very health focused as well as other things that we'll get into <laughs> but the real thrust is that that meat is going to kill you and, and many times during the documentary it made claims like literally every time you eat a, a meat-based meal you are doing bad things for your health so yep. you know, clogging your arteries plaques in your arteries, inflammation, all kinds of scary chemistry kind of related terms. So Yeah, and I think they did purposely put in words and terms that a layperson wouldn't necessarily understand. It makes it a bit more scary uh, and it makes them seem a bit more uh, intelligent if they're mm. talking about all of the science or science words without actually properly explaining what any of it means and just saying, this is bad, this is good, which Again, anyone who's done a nutrition degree knows that nothing is bad and good. It's never that simple. But of course, yeah, you leave it feeling terrified. And that it's, I think that it's, it's opened with that as well. I think like the opening sequence is um, the documentary filmmaker, James Wilkes, uh, bragging about how deadly he is and like taking people down with fake guns and knives and stuff like that. And I think that that is a really strange way to open a film it's about nutrition it's showing how you know super masculine he is but it's also setting up that kind of adrenaline of like I'm in danger yes good point I too was taken aback by the kind of very hyper masculine dude bro environment that that permeated the whole doco about like gosh I mean yeah there was a lot of testosterone just in those like look at how man masculine and uh, dangerous this this dude is yeah um, and then the dude gets injured then the dude does research in the <laughs> about <laughs> I'm laying on his couch yeah so he read he read papers he read articles on how he could increase the speed of his recovery yeah so many papers yeah which is different to doing a degree and then one of the papers that he came across was this thing called the gladiator diet in which the claim was made that the Roman gladiators were all actually vegan, as well as being presumably just as tough as Mr. Wilkes. So, gosh, I'm following the thread here, but I think he kind of went from there to kind of going down a bit of a rabbit hole about how eating a plant-based diet will speed up his recovery kind of thing. Yeah, I don't really, I think 
I'm not sure what the connection with the gladiators was uh, exactly, aside from him oh. trying to say that gladiators were super strong and they were elite athletes and whatever, but they were slaves. So that wasn't the case. They weren't the pinnacle of health. Uh, they were people who were forced into death by fighting as entertainment. They weren't people who were supposed to be super fit. Yeah, they might not have been fed like a lot of meat because they were fodder themselves for... Yeah, and meat is expensive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess mm. it's that message, isn't it? The first message that we get is that like, Really tough ancient sword, sword fighters didn't eat meat, so therefore we shouldn't either, which is kind mm. of like the paleo thing, right? Cavemen never ate veggies, so and they were really tough and they never got cancer, so we should do that. So it's like the same kind of threat. Like, what did ancient awesome people do? And yeah, and that now. Yeah, it's just a logical fallacy, just, you know, natural fallacy or whatever it is. Um, people did it back then so it must be good now but without any context of what the actual situation was yeah or, or kind of discussion about the, the social justice aspect yeah for sure <laughs> but then then it kind of runs through and we have lots and lots of footage of elite olympic kind of level athletes who are also eating a vegan diet and lots of i mean it's all very hyper masculine there was mm. one woman athlete who was featured but the variety, most of them were like muscle bound dude men who were just like killing, just hugely muscly and strong and like men everywhere. Yep. And, and, and all of these guys are doing it on a plant-based diet and all of them are enjoying like all these improvements. So this, I guess, I mean, in, the, in a good way, I guess it, it's attempting to skewer that stereotype of the vegan male being wimpy or weak or you know that kind of stereotype that floats around so I understand that but it seemed like the pendulum swung way the other way to like actually vegans mm. like kind of the incredible hole yeah that's exactly right it's just instead of saying vegan athletes can and do exist which is the truth and they can do well which is also the truth it's veganism makes you a superior athlete the end which is not the truth and even if you look into the situations that surround many of the athletes featured there are athletes that are their competitors that have and do do better than them the records aren't always as high as it might appear that they have them in they I mean one of the biggest Features was the Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz fight, which I don't know a lot about because I'm not into fighting, but it was in the Joe Rogan podcast that I listened to about yeah. uh, the context around that. And they were saying that Conor McGregor had to drop two weight classes to fight Diaz and he didn't have to drop any. And from my understanding of when you have to drop weight, it's pretty tough on the system you have to be really working on restricting your calories to be able to do that and obviously that's an exhausting thing to be restricting yeah. your calories and training at the same time yeah and which one's the meat eater that one yeah yeah, yeah. 
Okay. So McGregor's the meat eater, Diaz is the vegan. So the meat eater was dropping his weight and the vegan wasn't. And the vegans are more of a ground fighter as well. So everyone was saying if it went to the ground, then the vegan would win, which it did. And that's what happened basically. But they fought again a short while later and the other guy, the meat eater won anyway. So really? yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's so interesting. I'm so impressed that you know so much about this fighting. I'm embarrassed to say I don't even know what kind of fight it was. Was it, what, the UFC or? I think so. I don't know either. I was just, this was all, and I'm taking this as like certain information. It was just the discussion that I listened to from Joe Rogan and I don't know, some, the, the other guy. Ugh. I okay. can't even remember now. But yes, it was on that podcast. Yeah, we'll put that podcast in the show notes, but. <laughs> Like if, if yeah, if you want to listen to that for three hours. <laughs> Ebony's a bit exhausted. It was like seven hours altogether that she was. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was a long time. You're broed out, dude. It's mm. too much. Yeah. Um, yeah, I never wanted to know that much about fighting, but now I do. <laughs> <laughs> the things you do for science. Yeah. Uh, so that's so interesting. So he was actually restricting. And yeah, exactly. That was, that was not mentioned in the documentary. It was depicted as this attributable to the plant-based diet. That, that, yeah, yeah. That, that idea of um, not just an athlete, but a superior athlete is absolutely because of this plant-based diet. Yeah, I mean, they even went so far to feature Conor McGregor saying, maybe I ate one too many steaks, which I think he probably said as a joke. But obviously that little quote was taken out of context and just stuck in the documentary as like, yes, you did. But it was probably really that he was restricting his energy intake. He was training hard. He was exhausted and he was fighting someone who's really quick. So yeah. plus also luck. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, that fight wasn't planned either. He was supposed to be fighting someone else anyway. It's a whole, it's a very complicated story once you get into it. Really? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, and you know, as, as I was watching this parade of vegan athletes, like, I mean, super impressive. I am impressed by athleticism because I am not an athlete and that, that's not my world. But I, I also, like, a couple of things. First of all, some vegan athletes, vegan, obviously, but I mean, a lot of athletes are obviously not vegan. I mean, I kind of think that these people would be top of their game regardless of their diet. Some of them were talking about improvements in their performance when they changed to, and that's great. When people feel better, that is fantastic. But does that generalize to every single athlete switches to vegan and suddenly we break more records? Yeah, I mean, that's the question, isn't it? And it's like, what were they eating before? What was the change in their diet? Were they underfueling and now they're not? Like, there's so many pieces to that puzzle that could be the result of I ate vegan and now I feel better that isn't just I ate vegan and now I feel better. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Lots of other things that are not controlled for. And, and like, potentially, you know, the placebo effect too like Mm -hmm. I mean again like I'm not in the athletic world but I know that that the power of our belief system the power of us taking a pill or changing a diet or or doing a different exercise can can really influence how we think about our performance Mm -hmm. Um, and that can actually really impact performance so placebo is not a um not something to just be dismissed out of hand but it's different to attributing it to immediate superpowers once you switch to a vegan diet 
kind of different. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Ah, oh, so many athletes. But then what happens after we see all of these amazing athletes, we start to hear um, the science. We start to hear some scientific studies with, like you said, kind of sciencey sounding words, chemistry sounding words that convince us that on a kind of cellular level or chemistry level, that eating meat is terrible and eating plants is wonderful. And I guess I'm get, we're getting to the burritos, aren't we? We're getting to the <laughs> <laughs> So the burrito breakfast and the blood. Ah, and if there's one aspect of the documentary that I've heard about more than anything else, it's this, this experiment. I don't know about you with your clients, but this is the bit where they're, they're really kind of talking about. And even like one morning, I'm getting my coffee just before work. And I get my coffee from this lovely French place and it sells the most amazing crepes. So I'm like eating my crepe, having my coffee. And there's this gym bro talking to the barista about this experiment. And mm. yeah, he's bang. so he's like, well, they, they, there's three athletes and they give one of them a burrito with beans in it and one of them a chicken meat kind of based burrito and the other guy a pork burrito. And then they take bloods from these three guys. And when they shake up the blood to separate the blood from plasma, we see that the plasma, which is like the clear section of the blood, is cloudy in the meat based burrito. So, and on the actual documentary, they're saying this is evidence that you're, you've got fat in your blood and that your endothelium is not functioning properly and it's going to impact on your health, on your cardiovascular health. Yep. What do you think of that? Yeah, so they did the grass-fed beef and cheese versus beans and avocado versus chicken and cheese, and then they centrifuged the blood and looked at the separated layers. And yes, the plasma was cloudy in the ones that contained beef and chicken, and not cloudy, very clear in the ones that contained beans and avocado. The one that contained beans and avocado was also given to a vegan, so they had the vegan athlete and then two non-vegan athletes, and they were very, I felt like they stressed that, but anyway. Didn't oh, have anything I to do with it anymore. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I felt like like he handed this guy the bean burrito and was like, "And you're the vegan." I was like, <laughs> yeah, basically what happens to us anyway. <laughs> it's like it gets singled um, out. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I mean, the way the doctor talked about the endothelium dysfunction was just so just finite. It was ridiculous. Like he, he was like. Um, when the endothelium is impaired, it cannot open up and it cannot allow blood to flow, which is insane because if that was true, you would literally die every time you ate anything with fat in it. But aside from that, the actual cloudiness of the plasma is a normal reaction to having any meal with fat in it. So it's the chylomicrons in the blood that basically transport fat around the body. The difference with the burritos, we don't actually know whether or not like how they were broken down in terms of macronutrients but what is most likely with what i know about nutrition science is that the beef and chicken burritos would have been higher fat and the bean and avocado burrito would have been lower fat so that's why the meat burritos had cloudy plasma and the bean burrito didn't and it's really as simple as that if they had have made them all equal fat then it would have been the same amount of fattiness Wow, thank you, 
so much. <laughs> you have no idea how helpful that is to understand. So what you're saying is it is simply like the cloudiness of the plasma is just reflective that there's some fat in that plasma that's going to get carried out around the body. Yeah, if they had to put vegan cheese or vegan sour cream in that beans and avo burrito, I'm certain it would have looked exactly the same. And it's not necessarily dangerous, right? It's the body's natural way of transporting fat after eating food with fat in it. Yeah. It's not a dysfunctional process. No. I mean, you need fat to be able to live. It's essential for hormonal regulation, as you would know. Um, Fats are important. They are an essential nutrient. They contain essential vitamins. So, yeah, it's all part and parcel of the way that your body nourishes you. So that that really gives me the full-on shits then because... That's the part of this documentary in which like a perfectly normal adaptive human response to food is depicted as demonizing yeah. anything that's not a plant-based diet. It's really misleading. Yep. Oh. It was scary too. Yeah. And, and, you know, that is not the only example in the documentary where little experiments like that were run or the other thing that tended to happen was a lot of what looked to me like cherry-picked studies to back up the argument that I mean the argument that's being made is that eating anything with meat in it immediately causes ill health and and the and of course when he's talking about like the mountains of other research that contradicts that he dismisses it all by claiming that that research is all done by big food yeah all corrupt (laughs) right yeah, and it's, I mean, there's an equal amount of studies that are actually cited in the documentary that are um, funded by big food, which is ironic. There's the studies that are funded by the Hass Avocado Board and, you know, other food organisations, which is fine because it's plant food, so therefore it's not corrupt oh. compared to when it's meat and it is corrupt. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it's okay. big food is bad unless it's big plant food, which is incorruptible. Yeah, exactly. And I guess that the it's even more ironic that the uh, the director of the documentary, James Cameron, owns a pea protein company. So, you know, he doesn't have a stake in it at all. But it's if we're going to have that argument and i don't i don't i'm not an anti-conspiracy theorist (laughs) believe it or not i don't like i like a good conspiracy theory i think it needs to be a good one though in a documentary we love a good conspiracy theory yeah yeah and i don't think that scientific research is infallible either i'm being haze oriented i think that there's a lot that we need to criticize in scientific research and the way that it's interpreted so i see that as a valid point as well but i think that you can't just do it one-sided you can't say big meat is bad but big pea protein that's who funded my documentary so that's a good one you know it doesn't work like that well that's the cherry picking aspect as well and Mm. You know, that lack of transparency is shady. Yeah, super shady. If you're going to call out a problem, then you have to kind of be fully disclosing your side of that bias as well. Yeah. But there's lots and lots of very scary studies that were quoted, including one that says one hamburger, eating one hamburger increases inflammation by 70%. Yeah, I didn't look up the citation of that. So I don't know what inflammatory markers they're talking about. I don't know what 
inflammation they're measuring. Um, I don't know how long the inflammation was there for. I don't know what the consequence of any of that is. Inflammation is a buzzword. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not uh, really referring to anything in particular. Inflammation is a normal part of eating. I learned that in my undergrad degree a very long time ago. My food tech teacher, I don't even don't remember his name, but anyway, he was doing his PhD on inflammation. And I swore if I heard that term again, I was going to explode. But here we are. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, it's literally, he told, he said, I think it was like six years ago or something. And he said, you know, the future is inflammation. Everyone's going to be talking about this. So you better listen. And we're all like, yeah, yeah, you're just saying it because it's what your PhD is about. But he was right. <laughs> he was right. Everyone will be talking about inflammation. But inflammation happens every time you eat. It's just inflammation happens every time you exercise. Tell me about that. What do you mean? What, what happens every time we eat that we would call inflammation? Well, it's just part of the digestive process. So your body, in order to be able to digest food, your body needs to recognize that it's a foreign material and break it down. So it has an inflammatory response to that. It's a completely normal part of digestion. It's just how it happens. So inflammation as a general catch-all term isn't necessarily helpful in yeah. describing anything in particular. So it really needs to be quite specific and it needs to have a consequence if we're actually thinking about it. And there's not really been anything described in the literature that specifically leads to a consequence that is linear and properly yeah. able to be measured. Yeah. yeah, or perfected in any way. That's we don't know of anything that we can do specifically. There's no one food, there's no one way of eating that specifically reduces inflammation or specifically increases inflammation. There are things that have associations, but we're, if we are ever going to get there, we're definitely not there yet. Okay. Because in the next breath, they said plant proteins reduce inflammation. Yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> like it's really depends on so many things as to when they're measuring how much they're measuring at what point in time they're measuring it if it's immediately after a meal if it's 10 years down the track yeah. what the association is do people who eat more plants have less inflammatory markers or do like what are they comparing these things to i don't know i haven't looked it up there might be something that is really telling in those two studies that they're saying but from yeah, it could be yeah. like the plasma dodge they've done some kind of um bit that they've left out and they've definitely left out this whole idea that inflammation is actually normal and not always a sign of ill health yeah which i think is really interesting in something that is supposed to be based around sports because people who are super fit super into fitness would know that exercising has an inflammatory response and that is a good thing without that inflammatory response then you don't generally get as many health benefits as you would without it so it's that whole getting that fight and flight response from the exercise helps your body to recover so it's also interesting just yeah just sort of glossed over very interesting so that's something for everyone to remember right <laughs> yeah definitely yeah I also thought it was funny when they brought up that list on the screen that was like plant-based foods have all this good stuff and then animal-based foods have all this bad stuff and how just um, one-sided that was as well. Like plant-based foods have fiber and vitamin C and lycopene and animal 
base proteins have TMAO and heterocyclic amines and endotoxins, but you could say plant-based proteins or plant-based foods have solanine, which is poison, and cyanide, which is poison, <laughs> phytotoxins, which is poison. So they just cherry-picked the sexiest-sounding names for the plant-based and the scariest-sounding names for the animal protein. Yeah. Yeah, that one definitely made me laugh. I was literally laughing when I was writing it down. I was like, this is ludicrous. Why? Like, just silly. Very silly. Wow. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad we're having this conversation. I highlighted this bit because I actually paused because I couldn't believe they said it. Whenever we eat any animal product, it's highly inflammatory. Compounds are formed that corrode our cardiovascular system. How scary is that? Yeah. And was that, did they even have a reference for that? This is... Not really, because I, I did make notes about the things that did have studies that were referenced. So there was after they were talking about heme iron. Heme iron? Yeah, heme iron. Hmm. Yeah. The whole thing of like cardiovascular, you are going to die of a horrible heart disease directly because of animal products. Yeah. Meat eaters die earlier, get cancer and get diabetes. Like, I mean, that's when they really start pummeling people with the health fear. Yeah. Eating animal products, which I just found, yeah, quite, I, I can understand why my clients are terrified. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think, like, the when James, the narrator, is talking, they usually chuck some kind of reference in the corner. This is what I usually found. Even if it doesn't necessarily relate to exactly what they have said which I did find in a few cases because I knew the history of those studies that they were talking about but anyway but when the doctors are talking they don't require any backing up of what they're saying apparently so they can say things like a whole food plant-based diet is going to optimize the growth of blood vessels into damaged tissues it's going to lay down new tissue into tendons and muscles it's going to stimulate their immune system and fight off infections with no reference whatsoever like that's bold <laughs> is this like a thin white doctor who's talking yeah of course okay yeah well he doesn't need a reference because like <laughs> He has spoke. (laughs) That has never been studied, ever. (laughs) And just saying it doesn't make it true. And I think this is when I started to really up my... Rage. Yeah, just, yes, my notes become a lot more incoherent and a lot more capitals. And I have exclamation (laughs) marks. A lot more no ref circle circle around it, that's for sure. Yeah, but that's all like right. We we throw we start using the big words, we throw a few studies cherry picked in there, we give partial explanations, and then we start raising the temperature of the health dire health risk warnings. And that's when we throw in the thin white doctors with grand statements. And by <laughs> then by then we're in. And we're bought in. Like this has got science behind it and this has got sexy athletes and gladiators and you know, so many people are convinced of this, so it must be true. Yeah. And that's it's just um saying the same thing over and over and over again as well, which is just a cult tactic of convincing you of something. It's how many of your peers can say the same thing and then at the end of it all obviously you have to be convinced because it's peer pressure. Yeah, it's starting to feel like a propaganda film now. Yeah, well, I would probably label it as such. Now, I found the whole documentary very man-focused, as I mm-hmm. said. 
nowhere more so in the section where we turn to penises, which <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect. To, I did not expect to find a whole section on erections in documentary about plant-based eating. But I guess, you know, penises are important, aren't they? And, and we need to pay full attention as to what is going to happen to a penis on a plant-based diet. <laughs> I think it's all part of that, I guess, that bro mentality as well, is that it's not only, it's not just about your muscles, it's about your whole masculinity and what's more masculine than your dick. So, Dr. Spitz. <laughs> yeah, the urologist. The, yeah, the urologist. There's the more meat men eat, the more they lose their... Manly manhood. <laughs> Yeah, yikes. Oh, God. Oh, God. I feel it literally killed me. I was like, how problematic can a person be? A urologist saying manly manhood? Yeah. Say erection. Right? I know. Yeah. You literally have a model penis on your desk. So yeah. Let's just say erection, not manly manhood. It's so creepy. It was so creepy. Oh, so. And now somehow we have stumbled way into like, okay, let's really get into the important nitty gritty of whether or not someone should adopt a plant-based diet. Let's look at the impact of eating a meal on your erections. Mm -hmm. And I've actually written here on my notes, what the fuck? <laughs> Why are we doing this? <laughs> yeah, I knew this was going to happen because this has been the thing that most, like almost everyone who told me to the, what's the documentary had told me about, which I think maybe that's why they included it just to, because I think maybe because it is so outrageous that it got everyone talking about it. I don't know. Uh -huh. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah. So to describe it for those who haven't been lucky enough to view it, there's again, three college aged athlete men in Dr. Spitz's office. Dr. Spitz has a model penis on his desk. And he's, he's describing the experiment to them with basically they're going to feed them again with those burritos, right? One vegan and two meat-based burritos. Oh, no, that's right. First of all, they gave them all the meat burritos. Yeah. Then... <laughs> oh, the things I talk about in this podcast. <laughs> so, Dr. Spitz is sitting there with three college-age boys who are going to participate in this very important groundbreaking penis experiment and the three boys are being taking part in a two-night experiment so and with an enormous sample of like the three boys sorry I say boys college-age dudes athlete looking men so on the first night they're fed three burritos I think that the first night they ate the meat-based burritos yeah all three of them ate it and then he had like this kind of data collecting cock ring that he stuck I'm sure he didn't stick it on. I hope he didn't. I don't know. Don't want to think about it. The boys put this kind of cock ring on, went to sleep, and then the magic cock ring measured the strength and frequency of their erections overnight, which was weird. And then the next night they repeated the same experiment with a plant-based burrito for the three boys and then gave them the startling results at the end. And I had a few thoughts about how they ran this experiment. Yeah. As a scientist, no baseline taken. We don't know what was their, the strength and frequency of, their, of the erections prior to doing any yep. of the experiments. No baseline, very small sample group. And then, I mean, the big question for me is like, how, how does measuring the strength and frequency 
of a late adolescent boners relate in any way to sexual performance or like with an actual partner or like anything at all really it's like literally we're measuring boners and the upshot nighttime yeah in erection erection. anyway they decided at the end of it the boys all had bigger and more frequent erections after eating the plant-based burritos than the meat yeah and i also had some thoughts about the way they conducted the study including yeah a lack of baseline a lack of controlled variables a lack of um saying how long they were asleep for which would have affected their ability to have an amount of erections and their nervousness the first night they were probably more nervous than the second night the uncomfortableness of having a device strapped around your dick and your leg (laughs) and the fact that you would have been more comfortable with it the second night the fact that you would have been more tired and got deeper sleep the second night whether or not they had masturbated in between those two things all of these things would have affected it and those things were controlled for This is how science works. We have to go there into places we don't really want to go. Also, I mean, really, we need more than a, da- a night's experience. We would have had a bigger sample and, like, done it for a week and then done it for another at least to get kind yeah. of any meaningful research. And the doctor himself says this is not a scientifically validated study. And I think that that's the bottom line is that they've included this for a joke or for shock value or just to get people talking or whatever it is. Or maybe just because Dr. Spitz enjoys it because he looks like he does. Maybe. <laughs> like, oh. yes. Either way, it's like definitely, I don't think that it's, if you actually are somebody who has the time and the resources to think about it, then it isn't actually telling you anything. Oh, God. <laughs> I know, but at the end when he says, so boys, take your date to a vegan restaurant. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I just thought about being that date and like knowing that I'm here in a vegan, like honestly, women listening or anyone going on a date with a guy to a vegan restaurant from now on. I'm just saying you might be there because he's thinking about the strength of his erections and that's just <laughs> Oh my God. And you know what's absent from this? I mean, like hyper-masculine documentary that talks about how awesome it is to to be a vegan and how much importance the documentary placed on apparent studying of health is why are women completely absent? Where's the impact on women's sexual function? Was there no measure of vaginal moistness after a bean burrito? (laughs) Like, It's a little bit, yeah, okay. As long as the erection's okay, who cares about what's happening to the other sex yeah and you know i mean a real documentary exploring the whole thing would have looked at women's health and reproductive fertility and all kinds of stuff so many aspects of health got ignored we're literally just down to athletic performance and number of boners and come on yeah i think it was directed at i guess a very specific sect of the market and i think that that was on purpose because vegan statistics would indicate that most vegans are you know young women so directing more attention to young women isn't necessarily useful in the conversion okay so they're trying to convert more manly men because they wouldn't usually ever consider being vegan but still i get i get it i get it and you know it's it's not a terrible idea to have but I have a real problem with using health scare tactics that are not based on reality. And yeah, me too. Yeah. And that's like, I don't think that it, they needed 
true. That's the biggest gripe with it is that you can, I think that they could have made a really great documentary just showcasing the fact that there are really, really great plant-based athletes out there showing what they do, how they're training, how they're nourishing themselves, what they had to change, what they had to adjust. Those kind of things Mm -hmm. I think would be interesting to people who are doing fitness it doesn't have to be about one hamburger is going to kill you but it it seems to have to be these days doesn't it Mm. our current diet culture is like unless you create a hysterical panic about a certain type of eating or group of foods that they they don't really know how to make documentaries anymore true it can't just be about these are all the different ways a person can thrive it has to be well if you don't do this you're going to die yeah yeah thank you thanks for that diet culture you yeah and one of my one of my clients made the observation to me that that when she watched it she actually thought it was good because it didn't talk about weight it didn't talk about weight loss which it it, it kind of doesn't talk about uh weight loss which you know my reflection on that is it kind of doesn't need to because Mm -hmm. there's a whole new world of healthism here yeah and i didn't see much size diversity in this documentary either did you no no i mean they just have like the big strong muscly guys and then the skinny runner guys that's Mm. the only size diversity but it's all based around having muscle or different ratios of muscle that's it yeah so yeah it's uh Simply because we might kind of not focus on weight loss doesn't mean that aspects of diet culture are absent. Yeah. You've got massive servings of healthism and huge kind of, it's just, it's just very biased towards like, again, being like a superhuman person and just like this extreme messaging. Like you said, it's really not necessary. <sighs> and then we end up with um, like the sweeping statement that says anyone who kind of disagrees with anything that's being said here is all working for big food and so needs to be dismissed and then uh, towards the end a little bit of um you know looking at the impact on the planet of agriculture and farming which I actually thought was really useful and interesting to look at but it was sort of tacked on at the end yeah and even that I thought was um like because they had the guy who was um doing the rhino poaching was it right that was so weird yeah. <laughs> it's another like dude bro with a massive knife like yeah, quite yeah. Short. and he was like just so tough like so tough like just like a caricature of a tough guy he was like, straight out of jumanji like yeah <laughs> yeah and he was like i eat what gorillas eat or whatever it was but it was like threatening and it, like i was like this is how you're gonna present the ethical side because that was the ethical side of it okay i mean it was because it was like i realized that i can't defend rhinos while i'm still putting meat on my plate that's a you know inconsistent ethics but it was just like Um, and i was like wow that's yeah okay (laughs) i was like i mean yeah it's good like i do think that it's good to show that tough guys have like emotions as well but it was just like it's so over the top again again (laughs) forgotten about that bit that was like what the hell is happening now why are we chasing rhinos and killing poachers and like yeah yeah it was like like really weird yeah that was the ethical side of it and then yeah they went into the environmental side and Mm. 
I don't know enough about environmental science. I do believe that animal agriculture is a major contributor to global warming. Uh, yeah. Whether or not their statistics are specifically accurate, I haven't looked into. Uh, given the accuracy of the rest of it, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some misleading conclusions drawn, but regardless. I, I don't think it matters by this stage. I think by this stage, we're so in fear and like the, you know, we've got the science washing and we've got the health, you're about to die and we've got the erections. Like we've just been pummeled with all of this information. And then at the end, the ethical and then the environmental thing. But I, I actually thought what the real, like the ethical stuff was glossed over. Yeah, definitely. Because I didn't even cotton on to like that guy was making an ethical decision. I was just like still stunned about why we're in Africa suddenly. <laughs> I guess, I mean, that's a pathway into veganism for many people, isn't it? That, that that desire not to hurt animals and not to eat animals is a pathway in. And I guess this documentary is not really using that as a primary pathway in. No, and I think that's the difference is I don't think from what I and this was again in that um, Joe Rogan podcast, the part two, is I don't think that James Wilkes is a ethical vegan. I think that he's a plant based eater for health, which mm -hmm. is a different dichotomy. And it's a thing that I've been fired up about before, because I've been vegetarian since I started being vegetarian when I was eight years old after I watched uh, the movie Babe and I was like, I don't want to eat pigs. And my mom was like, well, all meat is made from animals. And I was like, well, guess what, mom? And she was like, oh, shit. And then she had to deal with that. But it was an ethical decision for me. It's always been an ethical decision. And then when I realized that meat and dairy, I mean, sorry, dairy and eggs were also not aligned with my ethics and I cut them out as well. So it's always been about animals and caring about animals. But in the last few years, there's been this surge of plant-based diets for health and they don't have anything to do with the ethical side of it. They don't care about the animals. They mm. don't care necessarily about the environment either. Some of them grow to care about the animals and the environment because they've kind of thrown into vegan communities. But that's not their primary motivation. And they're, of course, they're the people who are influenced by diet culture and they're the people who will either go back on it when it doesn't work. So the plant-based diet's going to cure your whatever, and obviously it doesn't. And then they're like, well, I'm not going to do this anymore. So they're not vegan or plant-based anymore, or they have, it does do whatever, and then they become this kind of martyr. And it's always, it's always because of the changes that they've made in some other way. It's like you went from a not looking after yourself in any way to looking after yourself in some way and then that's the difference but I don't know it's yeah. been a very frustrating as an ethical vegan it's a very frustrating thing to watch your community become clouded out from this kind of little ethical sanctuary where we all cared about the animals to this very toxic diet culture mm. don't touch that because it's going to kill you kind of vibe because we have the vegans who will kind of, you know, eat Doritos and Oreos and whatever it is, as long as it's vegan. And then there's the plant-based who won't even eat olive oil. So it's a very polarizing kind of thing in the vegan movement at the moment. And none of us are comfortable. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a really interesting perspective, isn't it? Because I think like it's sort of parallel, I guess, to in the haze and fat activist community you know that fat activists have been around for a very long time fighting for the rights of um, people in larger bodies and and looking at it from a political and social justice perspective and now suddenly like literally in 2020 
anti-diet is a new trend kind of people now adopting it straight from diet culture and there's a lot of people who have got the massive shits about that and i blame them because like it, it is an encroachment and and it's a misrepresentation of like the original values of the community so it definitely has its sources of conflict ups and downs right yep and i don't know the answers but I think it's really good to have conversations like this because this, this whole podcast today is not about bashing veganism. I have a lot of respect for people who eat whatever the hell they like and however the hell they like. But it's just, it's really about highlighting how this documentary really has been bought with an agenda and it's a healthist agenda. And it's a bit of a man bro kind of healthist agenda mm. <laughs> that, that misrepresents science and that really shits me to tears. Yeah, but from your perspective, it's also really personally affecting you and your community as an ethical vegan. Yeah, and I think the ethical vegans, some of us are kind of so old that we don't really care anymore, and we're like, well, whatever, it's just ignore it. But others do see this kind of information, and they change the whole way that they live because of it. And it can be, it does have consequences. Is that adopting a whole foods plant based diet? with no oil doesn't always or often have positive health outcomes not in my experience not in my clinical experience the clients that they turn everyone into the incredible hulk with massive erection <laughs> no no you know maybe they're people who don't come to me who do have those kind of benefits but in my experience the people who i have seen who are doing that are extremely under eating and they're usually getting exhausted because of the lack of nutrition and often are developing eating disorders from having to constantly worry about every single morsel of food that they're putting in their mouth and whether or not it's got too much fat in it like people are worried about eating coconut chips and nuts because whether or not they have too much fat in them and that's you know nuts are a staple of a vegan diet since forever and it's yeah it's hard to watch and it's hard to counsel people out of that as well because it's just me against the litany of plant-based powers that be yeah and and increasingly all the instagram accounts and celebrities like bloody arnold schwarzenegger's in that arnold schwarzenegger's not even a vegan all right (laughs) (laughs) he He eats vegetarian sometimes as far as i'm aware but i'm glad you mentioned that because that is totally absent from the documentary any mention of a downside to making such a radical shift and Mm. The first thing I thought of whenever these documentaries come out is, oh, great, I'm going to get a whole mass of people now with a new pathway into their eating disorder. Yeah. Like you said, such massive restriction and, and it's fear-based. If it's about, I've got to do this for my health, otherwise I'm going to die early. Yeah. Yeah. The, the combination of restriction and guilt is straight from diet culture and it, that is going to create eating disorders in a number of people. Yeah, sure. That's why I'm all fired up as well as you about this kind of stuff. So Yeah, and that's the difference between the ethical side of things as well, is that like as an ethical vegan, if I accidentally consume something that has animal products, then I might feel a bit sad about it, you know, like oh that animal product was you know that came from something that has died and that has made me sad and I have remorse for the fact that that has happened uh, because I have that emotional connection but it's pretty easy to move past that if I believed that taking that bite was going to kill me then it's a very different experience yeah and an unnecessary one the one that's not based on 
actual reality. Because like you said, we'd all be dropping dead if like seconds after consuming hamburgers, if what this was actually saying is completely true. Yeah, if all your blood vessels stopped working, like it doesn't even make sense. Yes. Look, thank you so much for diving into that with us. Like that was just so incredibly useful, especially from your perspective as a vegan dietitian who is evidence-based. And I know that you're going to help a lot of people from this conversation. And I hope that people listening, like when we watch this documentary, oh, you know what? There's going to be another. There's going to be the next one. Buddy Gwyneth is bound to be making something weird at the moment. Yeah, well, she has a Netflix series, so. Oh, tell me. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, but let's be critical, right? Like look, look beyond the messaging and like get into that kind of headspace of what we're talking about today about like, what's the method being used here? Is it fear-based? Is it cherry picking? Is it misrepresenting what's actually happening in studies? And what's the agenda of the people pushing the message? Yeah. And I think that, yeah, that really needs to be remembered with documentaries is that they're there to make money. People aren't making a film People are really making a film for education. If, like that's if that's their only role, then it is almost always a very boring film, and that's fine. <laughs> boring films have merit, but a very balanced documentary shows you both sides and leaves you questioning. You are there to you sit there wondering, pondering on both sides, being like, "Well, what is my belief system? What do I come?" Like, what side of the fence do I sit on? And that's what a good documentary should do to you. If you come out being like, yeah, I'm going to die if I do this, then you've been swayed. Yeah, that's right. If you're being force-fed one way of eating, that be be very careful. Absolutely. Mm. Oh, thank you again, Ebony. This has been so fascinating and awesome to dive into. And <laughs> thank you for all of the work that you do with people. And my last kind of shout out to everyone is that if you are like ethically eating plant-based or for your own reasons eating plant-based go and see someone like ebony because it's evidence-based stuff and it's not fear-mongering and it's just it's all about um helping you get some great nutrition and risk you know just maintaining that relaxed relationship with food that as humans we're all losing in the Mm -hmm. diet culture yeah well thank you for having me i've developed a twitch I'm hoping it goes away. Um, okay, have a nice lie down. Put your feet up. Thank you. I have to go to work right now. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ebony, for a really interesting conversation about the game changers. Many ways that conversation with Ebony, it changed my game. I really um, learned a lot from talking about things from her perspective. And it was just really awesome. So I hope that this episode has been useful for people because these documentaries are coming at us thick and fast now with um, all these promises of a certain way of eating, giving us endless health and long life and enormous boners and God knows what else. But we must take them with a grain of salt and we must keep our critical thinking hats on. And where possible, try and get perspective from people um, who have been in this kind of community for a longer period of time than than a fad diet because this whole area, as we've seen, is much, much bigger than any kind of fad diet and and we need to kind of treat it with a lot of respect but also just really be aware of the influences that are around us. So thank you so much, Ebony. That was awesome. If you're interested in finding out more about Ebony and all the wonderful work she's doing in Melbourne, you can find her website, ebnutrition.net.au. You can find her on Facebook, EB Nutrition, so capital E, capital B, and then Nutrition, and on Insta, 
all lowercase EB underscore nutrition. This brings us to the end of our very first episode for 2020. There are stacks more episodes to come and I cannot wait to get stuck into it all with you. Thank you again, everyone, so much for listening and I can't wait to be with you again. So I look forward to seeing you again next month. In the meantime, trust no one, think critically, push back against diet culture, untrap from the crap. <laughs>